good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us, thank you for making the Sports and the World Podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius Brown, and before we get into today's episode, I want to kind of harken back to last week's episode. I did discuss that there will be some changes to the show, format-wise, design-wise. So, by the time you hear this episode, there will be changes to the podcast art, and also to the to the format, which you also hear shortly. Because one of the goals that I do want to do with this podcast is to focus on sports and integrate aspects of the world when possible, and given that sports now somehow or in fact, always, has meshed with what's going on in the world, it's important to keep it in that context. While I will talk about things about the world, but I will talk about it within the context of sports, so as to avoid certain misconceptions and to avoid, not say offending anyone, but to avoid making it a, a political talk show, which by now many of you are probably tired of already and this is just in june so once again i just want to let you know about the podcast art and as well as to the format and to the design of the show so with that let's jump in to this now many of you have jobs and one of the things that when you get your job you expect to be rewarded you know for your pay you know your time and whatnot and one of the things is that when you first walk into the door, you can't be demanding big numbers. Because there's always going to be people in the company that have experience. But at some point when you start seeing other people who do the same thing that you do, make a lot of money and you feel that you're not making enough, you may, you may, you know, get a little distressed. And that's no different what's going on in New York with the Jets and Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams has two years and about $13.5 million left on his rookie contract. So now there's reports that, you know, he wants to be traded and he listed the teams that he wanted, which we'll get to shortly. But I want to talk about this in this context. This is that who's... Do you be, do you think Jamal Adams deserves a contract? Does he deserve a new contract? And with anything that you do in your life, there are pros and cons to making a decision like this. Jamal Adams has essentially said, I will not play for the New York Jets until I get a new contract. So now, here you are, your Jets man, management, and now you're faced with a decision. So what I decided to do was give a list of pros and cons for Jamal Adams getting a contract and not getting a contract. Listen, you know, some of the pros is look at the way he's playing on the field. You know, Jets, you know, defensive coordinator Greg Williams blitzes with Jamal. He loves to blitz, and he's used Jamal Adams in such context. And so he's second among safeties with a pass rush rate of 24.1%. So essentially he can get the gap and get to the quarterback. But when you look at his numbers more in depth with the pro football focus and his grades, he grades out 7th among safeties in coverage at 86.1. He grades out 7th well with a, with against the run 
And this is where it gets real interesting because he's second among safeties with the 89.7 grade as a tackler and 90.4 as a pass rusher, which is tied for first. So those are the pros that Jamal Adams has working for him on top of the fact that he's 24 years old and he's one of the be- he's one of the better players on the Jets with CJ Mosley and Marcus May there's a lot of talent on the Jets and there's some not talented I don't even tell Jets fans that whatsoever but however with pros come cons and some of the cons is that if you get a chance to go to the Jets wire and read the article by Tyler Greenwald I suggest that you do because he outlines it perfectly and what working and what and what's working against Jamal Adams? That let's face it, there is no value at safety, and the measuring stick is the franchise tag for position. You know, quarterback obviously has the higher franchise tag, but amongst the positions, it's eighth. It's eleven point four million dollar franchise tag for a safety. There's no value for the safety position monetarily. And to kind of harpen on that point, it sometimes accounts for just 7.41% of a salary cap. And for strong safety, it's 3.34%. So it's not a huge portion. A team's priority is not on the safety position. And, and it goes to the point that it's just not a premier. It's not a position of premium. It's not a position of value. And I think... This also kind of hurts him, too, that he wants to be the highest player, not just on the Jets, but one of the highest paid players defensively in the NFL. So let's let's put that in perspective. On his own team, the Jets' C.J. Mosley makes $17 million a year. The Bears, their great, great edge rusher, Khalil Mack, he makes, he makes about $23.5 million a season. And we're talking, you know, you know, though the linebacker, linebacker position is a better quality position on the defensive side than safety. What hurts him is what I said earlier. There's two years left on his deal. So it's not like he's in the final year of a deal and then he just wants a big contract. He hasn't finished the first one, and that's what kind of hurts him. And another thing is, listen, cornerbacks are just paid more than safety. Let's put it in this context. The highest paid defensive player is the Eagles cornerback Darius Slay. Darius Slay makes $16.7 million. That ranks 18th. It's 18th. The highest paid safety is the Bears' Eddie Jackson at $14.6 million, and that's good for 33rd in the league. And I think this particular stat right here kind of puts it into context. Look, folks, he's no Aaron Donald. If we're talking about someone being the highest paid defensive player, you have to have value. Listen, Jamal Adams has 12 career sacks. Excuse me, he has 12 career sacks. Aaron Donald had 12 and a half sacks just last season. He plays at a premium position on the defensive line to get to the quarterback, to stop the run. That's a premium defensive position. And I think that's what works against Jamal Adams, is is that you're a safety. And listen, if you go to sports track, his market value is six years at $88.4 million. 
Because if you look at the contract that Keith Byard got for the Titans, Landon Collins got for Washington, who we'll talk about later in that team later in the show, and Eddie Jackson, the aforementioned Eddie Jackson, Jamal Adams is 24 and six year, 88.4 million at the fair market value. But the question becomes, what team or teams would be willing to pay a safety that? So if you go to Sportsline, they have odds. And according to his wish list, it's the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Eagles, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Niners, and the Seahawks. And on the odds, the two best teams with the odds are the Dallas Cowboys and the Ravens, according to Sportsline. You also have the Texans at plus 500. You have the Eagles at plus 800. The Ravens at plus 350 and the Cowboys plus 250. The Chiefs, the long shot at plus 1500. The Niners at plus 750. And the Seahawks at plus 600. So, essentially he wants to go to a team that's winning. That's, that's what every team wants to do. That's what every player wants to do. But, understanding the value is, is that what which of these teams is willing to give up because essentially the Jets are not just going to fork him over and pull a Bill O'Brien and give up absolutely nothing and get nothing in return so if right now you're the Jets you have the you have, you have the advantage this is like the Le'Veon Bell situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers a few years back where the Pittsburgh Steelers said, look, you're under contract, you show up to work. If not, you can sit out because that franchise historically does not give big contracts to running backs. It's paid Big Ben. It's paid, you know, it's paid players. But the Jets in this situation are facing in this situation. Do you want to pay Jamal Adams knowing that somewhere down the road, if Sam Darnold is your franchise quarterback and given the quarterback market, you still have to pay Sam Darnold. And people tend to forget that. You still got to pay Sam Darnold down the road. And if you give him what his reported market value is at six years, $88.4 million, that takes up a lot of cap space for a safety at a position that is not a premium position. Period. That's not me saying this. That's the numbers saying it. It's not that I don't think that Jamal Adams is a great player. He's a terrific player. But at some point, you have to understand your value and where you play. This is what I say about baseball. And by the way, thank goodness baseball is coming back. Look at who's getting a lot of money now. Like, you people look at Mike Trout's contract like, oh, that's ridiculous. No, that's a very good contract. Because A, he plays every day. And B, he's shown you that his production level can match it. He can excel in that contract based on what they're giving him because he plays in the outfield as opposed to you pay starting pitchers who play every fifth day, but what they give you every start, they're worth the money. Go look at Garrett Cole's contract, Clayton Kershaw's contract. So pitchers get paid. In baseball, you're paid on production. And your long-term value. That's no different in any contract. But when we're asking, is pitcher a premium position? Yes. Is the outfield a premium Pretty much every position in baseball is a premium position, if you really think about it. 
you know, it may not, they may not be played, paid big contracts, but they're premium positions. You go to the NFL, you have to be very specific. Because here's the thing. Quarterbacks and offensive linemen, to me, make a lot of money because of their long-term value. You're going to get a ROI. You're going to get a great return on investment on that, as opposed to a safety who necessarily can impact games, but there's only so many, so much money to go around. And going back to the safety point, is Jamal Adams better than Mika Fitzpatrick? No. Marcus Williams? Maybe no. Is he better than Eddie Jackson? Maybe. Is is he a top five player at his position? Forget defensively, because listen, Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack are probably the two best defensive players in football. So when we get into this discussion with Jamal Adams talking about those things, the reality is because if he wants a play, he wants he's at a position that, like I keep saying, it's not a premium position. So if you're asking the Jets to shell out money, you know, they probably have to shell out what his market value is. Like I said, six year, eighty eight point four million, according to Sports Track, because of given of what Landon Collins got for Washington, what Eddie Jackson got for Chicago, Keith Byer got for Tennessee. So do I think he he's he's better than Keith Byer? He's maybe better than Landon Collins. But when we get to the concept of Eddie Jackson, that becomes where I say he's probably not. And I think what hurts Jamal Adams, and and I think it wasn't mentioned in the article, but me personally, what hurts Jamal Adams is his negotiating position. But you have to argue from a position of leverage. That's in business. You know, whether you're doing a business deal, you know, if you're a business owner, you're a proprietor, or whether you're, you know, even making contracts every day, you have to come from a position of leverage to kind of get more of what you want out of the deal. Because in a deal, you may not get everything you want, but if you get a majority of what you want, then you kind of won the deal. And what hurts Jamal Adams is that, A, the two years left on his contract, and B, you can't go to the franchise like, say, maybe Sam Darnold can and say, well, I demand this type of money because if he sees the money that you know Patrick Mahomes may get, what Deshaun Watson may get, he can argue from that position of what he can get. So once again, he has no leverage in that respect because if you want that type of money, people will give you the money. But the question is, are you worth the money? And look, you know, if you go to Sportsline, Sportsline gave 10 teams and their odds. But the reported wish list that Jamal Adams wants are the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Eagles, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Niners, and the Seahawks. So out of those teams, the odds are the two best odds they have are the Cowboys and the Ravens. And I just don't see personally Dallas giving up a a first round pick. Because I felt that if you look at the way they drafted, they had a very good draft. I think they hit a home run in a lot of positions. So I don't necessarily think that they would give up a first rounder. They did for Amari Cooper, and they had to pay Amari Cooper a lot of money. I just don't see Dallas in that position. As for Baltimore, Baltimore is very interesting because it brings up the question of, initially I said, well, if they can, will they spend their money offensively? 
And, you know, I think that are they good defensively because they lost C.J. Mosley, who's on the Jets. And getting Jamal Adams, I feel that if you're the Jets, you want a first-round pick, maybe a receiver. And I just don't see the Ravens giving up pieces unless they really feel strongly about Jamal Adams. And as for, you know, of the teams I mentioned, I think the teams that have the two best shots of, of, his, of his wish list are probably the Eagles and maybe San Francisco. Because if you saw what San Francisco did, San Francisco, John Lynch, is willing to move pieces. He's willing. He traded DeForest Buckner for a first-round pick. He has shown the ability that he's willing to trade players for picks. And the question becomes now, he traded. He even traded down, I believe, in the draft. John Lynch is a mover and a shaker, and I would not be shocked if the Niners made a move. But I think the Eagles make a lot of sense. Because they put a lot of money in Darius Slate, who we we'll mentioned in a in a minute, I think the Eagles understand that. Listen, defensively they have holes, and I think that if the question is, are you going to give up a first round pick if you're the Eagles? I think you should, but you know, but the question is, what do the Jets want? That's the ultimate question that nobody's asking. If you're the Jets, you to me, you have to get a, you have to get at least a receiver out of the deal on top of picks. Because you can't walk away with these deals with picks in the future. But listen, Adam Gates is on the hot seat. Let's face it, he has to win quite possibly seven or eight games to keep his job. And he needs help offensively. You know, in the draft, they got, you know, Makai Benton. That's a great start, but you need he needs weapons. Sam Darnold needs weapons. So if you're the Jets, it's about what team can offer a receiver and picks. And I think the Niners are in that position. I think the Eagles quite possibly could be in that position depending on what receiver they want or the value there. As for the three other teams that the sports track puts on here, they put the Bucks at plus 1,800, the Browns at 1,000, the Dolphins you know, at plus 1,200. And I just don't see that happening either way. Simply because if you had to give me a choice of who out of those three, the question is with Tampa. Listen, defensively they're bad. And I believe if you're the Jets, you would want Tampa to call and you would want Chris Godwin and maybe two first-round picks to get Jamal, you know, to give up Jamal Adams. But I just don't see, you know, Tampa doing it unless they feel that Jamal Adams is the key piece of that defense. Because if Jamal, if teams believe that Jamal Adams can do for, do for their team what Mika Fitzpatrick did for the Steelers, then they would pull that trade. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the value of the position. What teams value the safety position? What team values Jamal Adams? There's a lot of questions in moving pieces. And I think with Jamal Adams, I think at the end of the day, if you had to ask me today, do I think he'll be a Jet? I think that Jamal Adams has one of three options. I think that and two of those, and one of those options involves the Jets. I think he can sit out and hopefully they'll trade him or just sit out for the season if he's that serious about getting a new deal. If you're the Jets, you really don't have to move him. But also understand that by not moving him, he, you know, he gets devalued. So at the end of the day, I think the leverage once again kind of goes to the Jets because he's under their control for two years. It's not like he's on the last year of a deal 
and you're trying to now he has two years left. But if he wants a new deal, the question how much are you willing to give up for? That becomes the penultimate question. And just to wrap up the point on this, understand this, and this is a this is a message for literally any player in the NFL. You can't be a player in the NBA. Players in the NBA, you do they see this all the time, they demand trades. They usually get trades because the NBA is a player's league. The NFL, it's very rare that, you know, a player sits out and gets the contract. Especially in the position of Jamal Adams, you have two years left. And the question is that, are you hurting yourself? Because if you do get traded, do teams fear that you're not going to re-sign them? It's the same reason why people don't make trades for players in the first place. Is it going to be a rental position? So it's just like you take the Anthony Davis situation, a crossover to the NBA. A lot of teams didn't want to trade for Anthony Davis because they said, well, he's going to be a rental player. But when he went to the Lakers, not a rental player. What he got, he essentially controlled where he went. Jamal Adams has laid out seven teams where he wants to go. If I was a betting man, I would say that if, if, if it works out, he may not go to one of those seven teams. Because the Jets, because the NFL has shown they're not necessarily a player's league. Even though the players are great, they're not a player's league. They're not driven by players. They're driven by revenue. They're driven by a lot of other factors. It's not like the NBA where you need stars. The NFL, you need stars, but you're based on the team. So one team, one player is not bigger than the team concept. So I'll be interested to see how that goes on from there. And in fact, that'll be the poll question today is, Where do you see Jamal Adams playing next season? Do you see him as a Jet? Do you see him as a Cowboy? Do you see him as a Raven or other? So that will be posted on the the podcast Twitter account as well as my personal Twitter account. So the podcast Twitter account is at Sports the World and on my personal Twitter account at Ladares underscore Brown. And as well on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash sports the world. So that's the poll question for today. And speaking of what's coming up for the rest of today's episode, we're going to talk about one team in Washington who needs to get it given that the culture we're living in. You probably know what team I'm talking about, but if you don't, I'll fill you in. And that's next here on the Sports and the World Podcast. And welcome back into the Sports and the World Podcast. And before we get started, the social media for the podcast is facebook.com slash sports the world. And on there, you can also join the group on there as well. On Twitter is at sports the world as well for Instagram at sports the world. My personal handle on Twitter is at Ladarius Brown. For Instagram is at CubbiesFan77. To stay connected with myself, the podcast, to give your thoughts and opinions and even ideas to improve the podcast and what you want me and other and other hosts to talk about on here. So with that, let's dive in and talk about cancel culture. And for those who don't know what cancel culture is, it's basically people on social media canceling persons, places or things based on whether it's racist the sexist, the misogyny, for various reasons. For example, people have canceled a lot of, and Jemima got canceled 
and they're changing the product name there. And then in the context of sports, UNLV, you know, they took down the running rep statue. They're looking for new, a new nickname because of obviously the rebel concept. You know, NASCAR most recently with the Confederate flag. But I want to talk about one conspicuous thing that we should have already canceled. And I guess this serves as a reminder. And that's the nickname of the Washington Redskins. And and this to, to kind of get to the point of why, you know, I have to kind of tell a story. And what are we listening to is if it's, you know, it's story time anywhere. But here's a little background of the Washington Redskins. So... The former owner of the team, George Preston Marshall, his statue was in front of the RFK Stadium. It was taken down on Juneteenth, and RFK Stadium used to be where Washington played. So for those who don't know, Juneteenth was is the last day that enslaved blacks in the U.S. were freed in 1865, almost two and a half years prior to Lincoln signing the Emancipation Proclamation. So, they were also the last team to integrate in the NFL. And then Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy and Interior Secretary Stuart Udall threatened to revoke their lease on the stadium that was built with taxpayer money on federal land. That was back in 1962. So, here's why, and most recently, by the way, they took his name out of the Ring of Honor that's at FedEx Field. So, going back to Marshall, this was a direct quote of what he said about the concept of integration and the team. He said, we'll start signing Negroes when the Harlem Globetrotters start signing whites. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. He basically is comparing, you know, an all-black team that's from Harlem, New York, as, a, as an excuse of why he didn't sign black players. So if they put a white player on the team, then I'll put a black player on the team. Yeah, if it sounds odd and it sounds weird, it does. It's off-putting as well. So fast forward to 2013 when Dan Snyder was asked about the team name. He said, quote, we will never change the name of the team. So, here we are, going back to cancel culture. We're canceling things. We're canceling people, persons, and things. So, here's why you got to take, here's why you got to change the name. I'm just going to go right into it. Here's why. And let's start with the polling. Now, the Washington Post did a poll four years ago. It said 9 out of 10 people weren't offended by the team's name. That's 90%, right? So you're thinking, Ladarius, it's not a big deal. So what's the problem? Glad you asked. Four years later, a research study was done by the University of Michigan and UC Berkeley. And they surveyed more than 1,000 Indians Nearly half of those who were surveyed stated they were offended by the Redskins' name. Furthermore, 65% stated their offense to the tomahawk chop by the fans, and 73% said that they were offended 
by the imitation of their dances by the fans. So you're asking yourself, Darius, if the Washington Post, a very well reputable newspaper, did a poll 90%, then what's the problem? Here's the problem. Asking random people about a name that's offensive to a certain group is not really a great poll. Like, I'm not going to get into the statistical as to the flaws of that. But when you do a reason, you, you, how can I put this? You basically talk to people who it affects. It's like doing a survey. And, and the Washington Post says, well, nine to ten people aren't offended by the N-word. Well, you're not interviewing black people. And just like how UC Berkeley and University of Michigan did, if you interview black people and you survey them, I guarantee you all of them will say it's offensive. So you see the flaw? If you're not interviewing people who it affects, if you're not surveying people who it affects, then I render your, your poll and your study useless. I'm not rendering the Washington, I'm not trying to cancel the Washington Post. But understand, and then, you know, the people from the University of Michigan, those who researched it and UC Berkeley, wanted the data from the Washington Post and nothing. Because they know they were wrong. Because you can't come out and say that 90% or, or they weren't offended. Well, you were probably interviewing non-American Indian people. So, of course, it's not going to offend them because it doesn't affect them. Just like you could turn that into the same concept I said about black people. If you don't, if you interview non-black people, of course some of them will say the N-word. May not be. Some will, but it's still the same kind of study. If you don't talk to people who it affects. And here's the thing. This puts it into context. Like, well, there is why. The National Congress of American Indians, or the NCAI, two years ago at a conference, had this. It's a, I, I recommend that you look up and read their statement on this and their, about the name. But I'm going to read you two portions of what it says to kind of exemplify the point. They said, quote, whereas the Washington's the Washington team's R-word derives from policies of colonization in which bounties were paid for the bloody skins of American Indian and Alaska Native men, women, and children as proof of their killings. In another aspect, they said, despite the team's argument to the contrary, the R-word is not a term of honor or respect but rather a term that still connotates racism and genocide for Native peoples and for all others. That came from the National Congress of American Indians. They said it's offensive. This is the point that I think people don't understand. Is that for those who don't want to change, because it, it doesn't affect you, the name doesn't affect you. The Cleveland Indians took Chief Wahoo as their mascot. They took it off their, they took it off their hat. They took it off their, their logo, because they understood that while it may not be offensive to a lot of people, and I feel that there is a disconnect. And 
we got to understand, going back to cancel culture, is that we have to put this in the context of, listen, if you're going to quote-unquote cancel something, have context. Just don't cancel something because you disagree with it for personal reasons. You should cancel something if it's detrimental to the whole or, you know, in context, if it's detrimental as a whole to the country, to a certain amount of, to certain people, to that degree. And the Washington Redskins name has done that. Listen, they're the last team to integrate. To put it into context, in Major League Baseball, the Boston Red Sox were the last team to integrate in 1958. The first black player in the NBA played in 1950. The first black hockey player was in 1958. So think about that. The Washington Redskins were the last to integrate while the NHL got their first black player in 1958 and the first black player in the NBA was 1950. This organization is riddled with racism and racist connotations. And the National Congress of American Indians are saying the name's offensive. At the end of the day, that to me speaks volumes. It doesn't matter what Dan Snyder says that they're not, you know, it's not offensive. Well, you don't understand because you're not an American Indian. You don't understand the history of that name and its connotation. So for you to stand there as an owner of a team and not understand, and, and for the sake of the NFL trying to understand racism and trying to be different and trying to change the culture, you still have the Dan Snyders of the world along with other fans who doesn't see the, the problem with the name. It's a huge problem. You cannot sit there and say with a straight face that this name, the, the Redskins name, is a sense of solidarity and representation of the people, of their people. It's not. And the fact of the matter is, it's not. And once we understand that, we can improve. And that's applicable to a number of teams. Listen, the Atlanta Braves, listen, the Chicago Blackhawks, a lot of teams have those Indian names, but they also try to representation. It's representation. Because at the end of the day, you want to have a representation of, of if you know, of a historical, listen, the Florida State Seminoles. I'm a Gators fan. Listen, the Seminole tribe respects the name being used by Florida State because they actually represent their culture. It's not offensive if they signed off on it. The problem here is that the National Congress of American Indians are saying the Washington Redskins name, it's it's a racist slur. It's the N-word to them. And we consider and cancel Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, Mrs. Butterworth, Mr. Cl- I don't care who else you want to cancel. And when you start canceling people and you start canceling statues, hey, that's great and all. But also understand the why. Be careful why you're doing it and know why you're doing it. Just like you see around the country, a lot of these statues are being taken down. Yeah, because why would you have Jefferson Davis rep- knowing what he meant to the Confederacy? Knowing what he stood for. He stood against he stood in the opposition of black people and their freedom. I why would you build a statue? It's basically saying why would you? It's like basically saying you you, you it's okay to have a statue 
of every person, of every murderer in front of every building. Like, that's a representation. Like, that's the equivalent here. Like, if someone was doing domestic violence, let's put a statue in the middle of town square. Well, this person killed a lot of people. Well, let's put him right there in front of City Hall. You see how crazy that sounds? Because it offends a lot of people. It First and foremost, it offends people, but you want to dig deeper, it can offend groups within the people. If you put up a building of a, you're, it's a disrespect to the families and the disrespect to those who have had family members murdered or people they know, it's a slap in their face. It's a slap in the face to have a well-known person who was a, who's a who beat women. It's offensive to women, not just people, but also to women specifically. I feel like I shouldn't have to say this. But Washington, every time you put that name on and you put that on your helmet, you're offending people. I'm not saying cancel the Washington Redskins. What I am simply saying here is this. If you are a fan, understand while it may not affect you, it does affect other people. And in closing, I simply say this. Just because it doesn't affect you personally, does not mean it does not impact you because we all live in this world together. We all are talking about diversity and we're trying to make the world a better place. You can't sit there and say that. If you know something is out there that is wrong, this name is wrong because at the end of the day, the Washington poll, excuse me, the Washington Post study is garbage. It's garbage. It's garbage, it's garbage, it's garbage. At the end of the day, you you talk to the people who it affects. And if over 1,000 Indians or American Indians are telling you that they're offended, and if the National Congress of American Indians are telling you, think about it, Dan Snyder. Think about it. Press on to do it. Your uh, owner of this team was a racist. You had to take his name out of the ring of honor. They took his statue down in front of the old RFK stadium where the Redskins played. The last team to integrate. The government, the secretary, listen, the secretary of the interior, the attorney general of the United States was willing to basically say to revoke their lease because of that. Folks, cancel it. If you want to canceling things, I gave you facts to cancel. Don't cancel things because it, it rubbed you the wrong or it affects you personally. Cancel things because you know it's wrong. And the message that they're saying every time they do something. So, once again, folks, just cancel it. Speaking of canceling, well, we're not canceled, but we are out of time for this episode of the Sports and the World Podcast. And once again, check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, be on the lookout for us on YouTube as well. And the Facebook is facebook.com slash sports the world. And the Twitter and Instagram account for the podcast is at Sports the World. Check me out on Twitter at Ladarius underscore Brown. And on Instagram at CubbyFan77. And until next time, I wish you love, peace, and unity from my heart to your home, to your heart as well, and wherever you're listening. And I hope that you hear me again, and I hear you too, next time on the Sports and the World Podcast.